Hello, welcome to episode 161 of Three Bears in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with Barry and Neil. And Barry, we are once again Zooming the life out of this damn thing. We're <laughs> living our life on Zoom. There appears to be a relative light at the end of the tunnel. Our, are... our previous home is reopening. Hurrah! Yes. So... It was nice. It, it was lovely. It was lovely to see the, the fairy lights and the windows switch back on again. And the raven. So... so... We're hoping they'll get to the Raven at some point soon so we can do this in person again. It'd be nice to, to do it again soon um, when we're all feeling up to the idea of going out again. Oh, yeah. Um, still, there is still a lot of trepidation, I think, about stuff. Um, yeah, especially because I don't know if it was just like the musings of a radio DJ through the night, but I had the radio on last night and they were talking about potentially shutting anyone from coming and going from the UK. But like yeah. I said, I don't know if this is just like the kind of crazy through the night chat for a radio station or if this is actually a legit thing the government's actually thinking about now that France has been added to the list of places not to go. Yeah, it's, it's less banning people from leaving the country because that would be sort of draconian and I think they would really have suffer in the polls for that. But they might do what they're doing this now, which is if you go abroad mm. and come back, you're going to isolate for two weeks. Which for the majority of the population now you're going to mm. you can't really afford two weeks at home with no money. You know, you can't go to your job because of going on holiday for a week, you know, or two weeks, whatever it happens to be. You know, people can't afford to take a month off. So it might not be an official ban, but it'll be enough sort of like roadblocks put in the way that yeah, going anywhere will be difficult. Yeah, it it just makes it so undesirable. It's just like what's even the point? I mean, you might be able to take a week off work just now, but can you take three weeks off work if you take a week off to go on holiday? You can't, no one can afford to take three weeks off work, you know. It's, and most places don't even give you three weeks off. You, the standard is two weeks usually, isn't it? You know, that's where the most companies, most offices are all kind of like, well, except two weeks, but if you put it for three weeks, it's always a lot harder to get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Though, strangely enough, in this new job, if I work the angles and work my holidays right, I can literally be off for like a month. Yeah. I mean, there is, obviously there is ways of doing it, and I think my dad's the same. He can do similar things with his, with his role, but I'm talking about the majority of the population. It's tough to get more than two weeks off. So if the government starts putting things in, like saying you can't travel to, let's say, Germany, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, and maybe some Caribbean countries, that's essentially the entire British holiday resorts just pretty much done in. You know, they're not, they're not going to keep people who can't go there, you know. So, at this point, they may as well just come out and say that Magaluf is a no-go. Aye, well, they're essentially saying that already. You know, you can't go to like Ibiza and Balearic Islands. You can't go out to even the Canary Islands now. So it's, they are pretty much putting a shutdown on everything, and by just making it more difficult when you come back. That's really that's really sort of the push for Aye. But we're happy Aye. in a sense that um, like I said, the Ravens reopened, so we hope they got there at some point. And more importantly than that, as of the end of this month, 26th of August, the cinema is back in the in Scotland. Ooh. So that's very exciting. Um, I have tickets booked for the first night to go and see Tenant on the 26th of um, August. So I'm very excited to do that. Hopefully I get to go. Um, I, so, yeah. I feel this is like going to be... If it goes ahead, it's going to be one of those monumental moments you'll tell your, you'll tell your kids or your grandkids or your, even your nieces and all that. Remember in 2020, I was there for the opening of the cinemas. Well, I'm not oh, going to the opening. I'm, I'm going to opening day, but I'm not going to the first show. Right? I'm going to like, like a late show. I'm going to like 9 o'clock at night because I ain't going to be quieter then. Um, from what I can see online, the cinema <laughs> chain we go to, they're, they're, they're doing pretty decent social distancing. You know, it's like 
yeah. every row behind in front of you is empty. So it's basically every second row is available for seating. Um, and if you book mm -hmm. a seat, it blocks out the three on either side of you. Yeah. Of, of, a, of a group. So if me and Jill are sitting together, three next to me are, are blocked off and three next to Jill are blocked off. So essentially, we've got kind of a buffer all the way around us, which obviously the main thing is going to so, very much limit numbers. Yes. So how are they going to do it then? Are they going to like tape off the seats round about you, like either right. side of you? Because like, how are they going to police people just wandering in and sitting? Well, I think you, you know, if you're sitting in your dedicated seats, how are they going to tell someone else to walk in and go, "Don't sit on that. That's not for you." Right. Well, I assume the row behind us and in front of us, they're not even sold. Okay, so I reckon they'll they'll then blocked off in some way. Either you know, right. somebody can go in some. In terms of when we sit down, I think it can be a lot of self policing. If some guy comes in and just randomly walks in and says, "I'm not going to sit in my seat. I'm going to sit next to you," you go like, "Mate, fuck off. You're not sitting there. That's not your seat." Uh, aye, aye. Aye. Um, yeah. And I reckon they're going to have a lot more people on to take you to your seat. I did. Yeah, yeah. You know, rather might just, even go back to the old school days and have all the seats like numbered. Well, the seats are numbered just now, and you generally do have seat numbers in the cinema. Um, but mm -hmm. because a lot of times you're in the cinema, it's quite quiet. You know, generally you can, you can just sit where you want, and that's a, a kind of open day. Yes. Um, and people get a bit arsy, but I think now you're a bit more sort of like, if you book E4 and E5, then you're sitting in E4 and E5. I don't care if you think G4 and yes. 5 look better. You're sitting in, in those two seats and that's where you're going to sit. Um, and if some guy sits in E1 and 2, yeah, yeah. you go, like, mate, that seat's blocked off. You shouldn't be sitting there. Fuck off. And I think people will get shitty about it. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, I know a lot of people just walk in and go, yeah, I know I book those seats, but I mean, you sit here because it looks like it's three near the exit. I, can't, I don't really want to move. You know, so... I think it's maybe a lot of people can have like, mm. a lot of self-policing and sort of pushing for, you know, to you know, being responsible with the social, social distancing as well. You know, as long as the staff don't don't ha sorry, as long as the staff actually have a backbone, and I mean that like across the board. I don't just mean like in any particular cinema chain. As long as they actually police it correctly, it should yeah. go well. It should. But my worry is, you know, all the people that work in these places are only you know they're early twenties, maybe even teenagers. They're only getting paid a minimum wage. Why the fuck should they get arsey with some guy who's going to get shitty with them? The same people who work in shops just now. Why are they going to put something, yeah. why are they going to risk themselves against some twat who's not wearing a mask just to get aggression, you know, people going to aggress them against them? And I can honestly see that yeah. with a lot of the, girl, the girls and guys who are working in the cinemas, the ushers and things like that. You know, why would they start getting in the face of somebody if it's going to, lead to, it's going to get escalated quickly? What I do think is, I don't think yeah. there's a mad rush back to cinema. I think there's still a sense of people not wanting to go back to cinemas quite as, in a big numbers. And the fact, I think the fact yeah. you look at the you look at the booking sheet for it, there's so many rows blanked out that it doesn't really strike you as a very like people feel will be sort of living mm -hmm. when they go. So I think I don't I don't foresee any problems, especially the sort of later night showings as well. I don't really see any problems. That being said, who knows what can happen? I am excited to see what happens. I'm I'm just glad that this movie's actually got a release date because it was only like maybe two three episodes ago. It was saying that it was. Like it was on hiatus indefinitely with yeah. no real schedule of when it was going to come out. So I'm happy that it's at least getting a cinematic release now. I think the chains have got to a point now where they realise America's fucked. America's not, we might not reopen cinemas until middle of next year, the way things are looking, you know, maybe, mm. you know. So they have to recoup some of this money. They can't keep putting stuff on, you know, streaming services. That's just not going to get the same level of money back. So they have to try and recoup money for it somehow. So Europe, yeah. for the most part, has had a better handle on this than the Americas. 
So mm -hmm. I think they've just decided, well, we'll, we'll put it out in Europe and we'll try and see what, what, how, how this goes. Almost, almost like a test case. If they put this film out in Britain and it gets like nobody going to it because it's like people are still not going to go, it might be the last film we see out big budget for a while because it might go, you know, we're going to hold back. You know, so mm -hmm. it really, I think this is, this is really, there are, there are a few wee kind of minor films coming out last week in England and stuff like that and see and just to sort of test the water. This is the first major release, and this this will really determine how we're going to go forward. Because if it, if we put this out and nobody goes to see, or or it's say they're expecting, obviously they can't get a hundred million open the weekend because obviously it's um limited numbers. But if they're saying right, we, we forget we should make twenty five million for it, but they only make ten, that will tell them where the situation and where the where the business lies, and it will determine what happens going forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, well, we Time will tell, man. Time will Time tell. Will tell. Um, we will, for now, we'll move on to some of the stuff that's out on streaming services, because that's what we've been talking about for the past five months, it feels like now. Um, or five <laughs> years, it feels like, times. Um, and we'll yeah, this year has certainly aged me significantly. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I've watched a lot more films I didn't want to watch than I have over my life, because that's what I'm supposed to watch. Um, luckily, none of these were actually in that category, so that's it's quite nice to talk about. So the first one up is a film called oh. The Assistant, um, which is directed by yeah. Kitty Green, um, who's done a lot of documentaries. She's done a documentary called Casting John Bennett, and Ukraine is Not a, a Brothel, which is quite interesting. Um, the plot of this film is a very interesting film. It's about one young woman going to work for a film producer. Um, you never see the film producer, but she's just working in the office. And it's generally just her day-to-day -day and the sort of the very everyday sexism that she faces, and also the more overt sexism. It's sort of in a bigger place, you know, in a very Harvey Weinstein way. It's not, no one ever says Harvey Weinstein, but you can definitely sense his shadow is over the, the film. Um, yeah. And it's certainly, yeah. uh, it's certainly inspired by, if not directly related to, to him and what he did to a lot of um, women in, in the industry. And then the film, you got Julia Garner, who is in Grandma, which I really like, and also in the TV show Ozark. And she turns, she's a main protagonist, she is the assistant. Um, Matthew McFadden, McFadden, he plays a sort of HR representative. Um, Mackenzie Lee, Kristen Forsyth, and Alexander Chaplin all turn up in, in various small roles. But it really is, the film is entirely built around Julie Garner, um, Julia Garner, because she is the main person in the, in the film. It's a very tight, controlled movie. There's very little fat on it. It runs to like something like 86 minutes. It's a very, very short movie. Um, and it is mm -hmm. a character study of this person. You're literally watching them just go through her day-to-day -day life. You're not seeing any sort of major big incident. The biggest thing that happens is she finds an earring on the floor and a young girl turns up who apparently has got a job offer from this this producer. And she thinks that she might, the girl might be at risk. She goes to the HR office to report it. That's sort of the major incident in the film. It's just sort of, and, and you're seeing her life played out in a series of various conversations with the men in her office. And how they treat her, because like she's the one who makes the coffee, she's the one who makes the tea, she's the one who has to clean up stuff. And she became like sort of de facto mother in the office. You know, she's only like 21 years old, but it's just the idea of like the guys won't do this because they're guys and she's a woman, so she'll do it. And it's just, it's just that very everyday sexism that exists, probably in most industries, but it's particularly prevalent yeah. in the, the film and entertainment industry. Um, very strong performance from her. She anchors the whole film because she is on screen pretty much every second of the film it has it lives and dies on her performance. It's a very, very strong performance. Um it feels a very important film for now because it is very sort of much in that me too kind of gaslighting 
um, world that are sort of very much in this now, where that's all been brought to the floor and brought to attention. Um, and it raised a lot of questions. And a major question maybe yourself, like how do you deal with people in the office? Do you treat someone different because of their sexual sex? You know, do you? I'd like to think I don't, but perhaps you do. You know, you, you, and sometimes maybe it's not even um, because you think you're doing it. It's just sort of it's just it's a natural thing because that's the way the hierarchy works. You have a wry smell in your face right now that tells me you've done something you shouldn't have done, which I don't like. No, no, I was just thinking about uh, the fact that due to my new current job, the only way I could like. Uh, sexually offend someone as if I was to dress up in Stacey's underwear and sexually offend myself. True, but yeah. there is a sense. Yeah, it's about weird. It's, about, it's, very, it's, a, it's an odd image. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's it's just sort of simple things that people do, and it may be like it might be it might not even be a sort of a, 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 maybe not a woman in the office, but it might be like say, say there's a gay guy in your office. Do you treat him yeah. differently than you would treat? another straight person because you might go well I'll talk to him about sports but I won't talk to the gay guy about sports because he doesn't like sports you know or you invite somebody out for a drink you don't invite him out for a drink because you know he doesn't want to go out for a drink we're all good aye. Yeah. yeah yeah it's a uh, it's, it's, it's a strange dynamic and it's just I think it's unfortunately just a byproduct of like the modern world and the fact that we are now just all colliding together but most of the time people don't actually want to work with other people they just want to turn up clock in do their job clock back out again i personally have no time for drama or anything relating to other people's problems when i'm I'm just zoned in big drama it's not about the big dramas it's Mm. there's a a drama going on but it's sort of it's very much a small thing to everyone else but to her it's a big thing but you're, you're totally on her side with it all, but all the other things that happen in the office are very small yeah, yeah. and to me, somebody might go, they're very insignificant. But when you see that they're always happening to her rather than anyone else, it becomes a bigger issue. It becomes mm. something, you know, and that's, I think that's what they're trying to get to the root cause of it. Yes, the whole Me Too thing is a very, is a big movement and it's a very important movement. And that's sort of the bigger picture mm-hmm. on this one. And that's sort of the big um, event in this film. But there's so many other small, little moments in the film. That, that imagine a woman watching the film and seeing a much different light, they probably go, like, Yeah, after that happened to me, after that happened to me, after that happened to me, because the guys just don't treat us with the same level of respect. They say that they all say them the same level, but they, ultimately they, they do think she's slightly below them in some sub, some, some subservient mm. way. Um, the film yeah. is not for everyone because it is quite, a, it's definitely an indie film, it's a very small film, it's very, it's, it's there's, like I said, there is no big event, it's, it's all just a day in a life of. So that will put a lot of people off it, I think, because of, you know, it's it's quite slow burning. It's on a part of that thing, that one lock that, we, that you watched, the one with um, Tom Oh, Harvey. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not all set in one location. Uh-huh. It does move around a lot more, but it's very much like that in the sense that there's nothing really big and it's also a lot of talking, um, which could put a lot of people off of it. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. I thought, uh-huh. it was, I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was a really, kind of a really complex story, trying to dial down to these issues. Um, and approach them in a sort of a way that people can try and understand them and again make them feel relevant to probably everyone who, who's watching it. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that I thought a really interesting, well done film. It's, it's not for everyone, but I think it's well worth a watch if you get time for it. It's only 86 minutes long, so with that, you know, it's, it's not going to take a lot of your evening, so by all means, you know, who should fire into it? I'd give it a very strong 7 out of 10. Mm. Good rating, good rating. Yeah. 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 
I'll, I'll also like the sound of the fact that it rattles through the movie as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's slow, but it's not long. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't waste its energy and things it doesn't need to waste them on. It, it's, it's telling a day in the life of, so it doesn't have any much superfluous stuff in it. It's very much a day in the life of. Um, yeah. And that's, that's available on Sky Movies. The next film up is one that is available on Amazon Prime. Um, and that, no, is that Amazon Prime? Yes, this is Amazon Prime, yeah. Uh, and it's called Honey Boy, directed by Alma yes. Harrell, who directed um, the documentary 11816, all about the election of W. Bush, not W. Bush, Donald Trump, and a film called Love's True, which um, I've not seen, but I've heard good things about. Um, the plot of this film is a bit, it's an autobiograph, a semi autobiographical film about. A young actor who's in a sort of kids' TV show, but he's also got a very troublesome relationship with his father. Um, and it's just him trying to navigate the early stages of Hollywood um, and deal with his father, who is a bit of a mental case. And his dad sort of has his own troubles with drink, with drugs, with his own brushes with fame in some way. Um, and superimposed to that, you've got a, a skips fall, you've got like a, maybe like 10, 15 years later, you're seeing the actor as an older actor. I, I Middle age, not middle age, mid twenties actor having to sort of come to terms with all the stuff that happened in his childhood that's made him sort of the fuck up he is because he's now on big budget movies, but he's also having drink problems, drug problems, he's having relationship problems as well. And so I'm trying to understand the relationship with his father um, to make sense of his, of his current situation. Um, I say all about a semi autobiographical, it's based on Shia Booth's life um, to a great degree, who plays his own dad technically in this, which is really, really yeah. Cool. Um, you yeah. also got Lucas Hedges, who plays Shia LaBeouf, essentially, in this film. And you also got Noah Duke from A Quiet Place. He plays the young Shia LaBeouf. Um, and F.K. Twiggs plays a sort of interesting love interest um, who works at the hotel to stay at. Uh, and Mike Monroe also pops up in it as well. Like I said, he's not playing Shia LaBeouf. The, the actor is called something different. Uh, I can't remember what his name is. but Otis or something? Otis, yes. Um, so I think it must be yeah, for legal yeah. reasons they couldn't use Shia LaBeouf because maybe that would open up to too many other problems, but it's very much Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you think of this one? I liked this movie, albeit it was, kind of, it was a bit sad, a tale, you know, but yeah. I actually quite enjoyed it. It was, a, it was a kind of good insight. We had randomly watched an interview with Shia LaBeouf on the Ellen show. Uh, it must have been just as this movie was due to come out. And we randomly watched it, and that's how we knew all about his dad being a, a like a kind of clown and also having like this chicken as all well. Right. So we ca- we kind of knew a little bit of the background story going into this movie. Uh, but yeah, it's crazy to think about how turbulent his life was. Yeah, so well, did you? Um, yep. I just you can get a sense of like everyone thinks of Charlotte Booth and they go, "What a crazy mad." man he is sometimes, you know, like getting teeth pulled and getting tattoos put on him and stuff like that for movie roles, you go, but you see where he came from mm. in this sort of crazy environment he all lived through, it becomes very obvious why he has it, sort of, you know, mental problems and, and, you know, for a good chunk of his life. Yeah. And also, he's a young kid who got a lot of money very early, you know, he was in, you know, he pretty much worked from like seven or eight years old and he's worked pretty much all the way through. You know, he was still working in his early 20s doing like the Transformers films. So he's making, you know, he's just, I feel like he's in a, a constant roller coaster of, of, of work and, mm-hmm. and never like, had to settle or even be, in that sort of 
become a chance to settle as an adult. You know, and I think that's the point the film's getting to. He never gets a moment to become an adult. Yeah. He's always a, essentially a child to some degree. He's always people doing stuff for him. But also he's something yeah. that's yeah. and the quicker get in um and, and and you can see why he goes down the path he goes down. Um looking at the film itself, um I preferred the story of the young actor as opposed to the when he's older. What about yourself? Did you did you like the book? Did you prefer one over the other? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I kinda preferred to kinda just get a bit more hands on with like the kid rather than him just being stuck in rehab. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's just because like you hear so many stories about like celebrities and all that and rehab it gets you know, it just gets a bit tiresome. But I, I did like how watching... he his pal that he shared a room with. Uh-huh. It's like I quite like his like take on it. See when they were standing in like the garden or something yeah. in the house and he was talking about how like his cousin was doing like seven to eight years or something like that in jail and he's like, If he could see me now, he'd be totally beat my ass and I Aye. was like, Yeah, there you go. There you go. Also, I think when you're watching the young version, you can see the young kid has got a big, he has a big heart, and he is, he is full of sort of love, and he is full, of, he is sort of, he's not a blank canvas, but he's, he is a naive canvas to an extent. You know, you really, really act like an adult sometimes. He is very naive at times. And yeah. You see that relationship he has with the young girl or the older girl. In fact, then you, know, you see how his relationship with that mm. is. Um, and but you just know, like he believes his dad, and that's just so happy because you know what. Everything he does to believe his dad is going to end up with him why he is like he is in the future. And you just want him to see mm. his dad for what his dad is, which is a bit of a waste of space and you try and get away from him. But ultimately, it's his dad. Yeah. You know, um, I thought the performances were all really good all the way through it. You know, I thought um, Lucas Hedges was excellent playing like older, older child. He's, I think he's a great actor. And I, I like to see him do a happy role once in a while. He only seems to get really mm-hmm. sad, depressing roles, but he is a very good actor. <laughs> um, I thought the young good, the young kid was excellent as well. And I thought Le, uh, Shia LaBeouf was also excellent playing his dad. That was been a really tough role to pull off, you know, to yeah. be his own dad essentially. Yeah, especially like the kind of the harder scenes when like eh, talking to, talking at the rehab and then also like going back to like drinking and all that again. Mm-hmm. That must have been like that must have stirred up some like real emotions within him, you know. Uh-huh. You know, so it. it Seemed obviously really difficult. Apparently, at one point, it was going to be Brad Pitt playing that role. Um, and for a reason, Pitt dropped out and didn't want to do it or couldn't do it. So, Shia said he wanted to play his own dad. It was a really big decision at that point to, to, you know, to play your own dad in the film. It seems that I can't remember, I can't think of yeah. any other actors doing that in a movie, you know, playing their own father. Yeah. And he actually, like, see the guy in credits when you've seen pictures of him in that, it's like, without the makeup on, obviously. It's like, mm. I thought. He looked very much like him in the movie. Yeah. They really hit the nail on the head with him. They got a resemblance you know? here, didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought the director as well, she directed with a nice laid-back confidence, but it was quite visually interesting at times, you know, the way he sort of mm-hmm. the camera, use a slow-mo at times. Um, again, as well, which is much the same as The Assistant, a real use of the time they had. It's only about 93 minutes long, this film. It's a, again, a really short, well-done movie. It doesn't waste a lot of time you know, with add information you don't need. It just it told the story, it pushed the story on. Every scene felt important and there wasn't a lot of waste in it. And I thought, and even though it does get a little bit, like the visually a bit artistic, like the final shots with the guy falling the chicken, that's how you kind of go, this is a bit kind of surreal and a bit odd. Um, mm. But it works because you've, it, it's, it's built up such goodwill throughout the film. Um, and because it's still, even it's doing that, it's still moving at pace. You don't feel like it's, it's, it's a waste of its time. Been a little bit of, kind of artsy out there and kind of in a bit more indie 
Um, so I was quite impressed with the way they did that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did actually like what most of the time I'm not a huge fan of movies constantly bounce back and forward like yeah. timelines. Uh, but I felt this movie it really just done it perfect, you know. Yeah. Kind of like showed you him in the rehab and then showing him as like going through all the stuff as a kid and then it is very easy to pick up why he's went completely off the rails, you know. I think and I think the two locations made it easier in the sense that it, it was clearly delineational of where you were at any one time. There was never really an issue of like sometimes you sometimes you watch something that's um jump back forward in time. It's the same actor playing the role and also maybe the, the location looks similar. So you're not really sure what time frame you're mm-hmm. in. Whereas this one it's pretty mm-hmm. obvious what time frame you're in, you know, and, and makes it very easy to understand it. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed it. I was really engaged by it. I, I found it really interesting, well-told story. Um, yeah, yeah. It shows that Shia yeah, yeah. in a slightly different way, which I think is probably good, because I much like a lot of people thought he's a bit of, a, a bit of an idiot. Um, but you guys, yeah. there's there sort of I, definitely I, something more there. I just feel that, like, Hollywood just absolutely fucking wrecks child actors. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. it's like... When I was watching this, I just had very much like ideas of. I feel that this is what Macaulay Culkin's life has probably been like. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not, like, you, you, you know, see the other people, you know, yeah. other actors now, you know, people like Dakota Fanning and even like even like um, was her name Kristen Stewart who was in the Twilight films, you know, because she was young when she broke through as well. You can see how the media just pile on these people. Yeah, yeah, and there's probably a lot to deal with as well. Be thrust into the limelight like that. Yeah. Um, what can you say I, I think you've made hit the nail on the head of sense it's not just one story, it is a story of probably a lot of child actors in Hollywood, you know. And mm. it's also the, the cliche idea of like the bad parents sort of taking the kids' money and then, you know, sort of being a kind of bad influence on them. It, it, it's, it is a cliche. You've heard it before when it comes to kid actors, but it's, they didn't do it in a cliched way, I thought. I thought it, it all felt very fresh and, and it was done with honesty as well. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Out of 10, what are you giving it? I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Yeah, very sorry. I'm going to give it seven as well. I think it's a very solid, well done movie. And again, a lot to be said for the fact a 90 minute film that tells a story well is something that is really well worth investing in because we'll get to the next film in a minute. Um, and something, and you know, overextending your running time is never, never always a, a guarantee of quality. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. 7 out of 10 for Honey Boy, or 7 and a half out of 10 for Honey Boy. Up next is a Netflix film. I think it's a Netflix original, and it's called Desperados, directed by a woman who's called herself LP. Um, she's done a lot of TV work. She's done Mr. Mom, and she's done Always Sunny in Philadelphia. She's done a lot of episodes of that, directed a lot of stuff on that. Um, the plot okay. of this film is a woman who has been single for a while. She's been recently made single. She's wanting to find a man. She wants to start settling down and having a family and all that kind of all that jazz. She meets a guy, has a really good relationship with him, has a like a kind of whirlwind relationship with him, sleeps with him one night, and then all of a sudden he disappears. So she gets really shitty, writes a particularly nasty email to him, sends email off, but just as she sends email off, he contacts her saying he's been involved in a jet ski accident. And so he's been in a hospital bed and hasn't been able to contact her. He's not going to computer, he's not seen the email yet. So she decides with her two friends to go down to Mexico where he had the jet ski accident. And before he sees his, his laptop and sees his email, she is going to delete the email so that she can continue this relationship on with this guy. At the same time, her two friends have also got a reason for going because one of them is trying to have a baby, the other one has just found out her husband is cheating on her, um, and so they have sort of different ideas of what they think they can get from this Mexico trip. Um, 
in the yeah. film, you've got Nassim Pedrad, who I really like. She is in The New Girl. I really like her in that. You've got Anna Camp, who is in Pitch Perfect. Lemoyne Morris, who I think was in New Girl as well. New Girl. Robbie Amell, yeah. who plays the very handsome man who's involved in Jet Ski Accident. And Heather Graham pops up in it in a scene as well as a kind of self-help guru lady. Um, yes. What do you think of this one? Uh, oh, that's not a good release. Yeah, it's, it. <laughs> it's reserved purely for like Netflix-made movies, and okay. this, not all of them, but this one is definitely hitting all the marks. Uh, maybe I'm not the demographic for this movie. I feel this is more of like a chick flick. If you've yeah. just been split up with your man or something, I don't know. Um, yeah. If you're sitting there with your favourite tub of ice cream, literally the best thing about this whole entire movie and he was carrying the whole entire movie was uh, Lamont Ma- uh, Morris. Yes. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Uh, see, everyone, see everyone else, I literally could not give a fuck about them. And it's okay. like, and then you're like, why didn't our pals just go, I think you're being a little bit psychotic now, but instead they waited to the end of the movie to be like, I think you're being a little bit psychotic <laughs> now. Yes, I agree, yeah. <laughs> they did give her some pushback throughout the whole film they did sort of try yeah, and write I know, it, but, I know. but they, they all gave up very easily agreed to, to let her do what she wanted to do yeah. and the time they actually encouraged it when it comes to like getting on a plane and going to like a holiday resort to try and break in that's maybe at the point you sit your pal down and go listen you go and do that let me know how it works out and now yeah. I'll sit in my house and you know it it, if you put logic on every film it would make sense like stuff like the hangover I, American pie all that kind of stuff none of it would make I, sense I know so you can't really you can't really put, yeah. you, you can put some logic into it you can't put full logic into it um, yeah yeah I know I know it's just there was just a possibly the main girl in it it's just like she was just so fucking shitty to her pals you're just like I, that's the point of her character, though. She's, she's supposed to be sort of very, not to spoil how it ends, but she's supposed to be way too inward thinking. She's too much thinking of herself. She's not seeing her other people in the world's problems, and she's not seeing good yeah. stuff that's in front of her. So I think that's kind of the point of her yeah. character. Um, but I like her as an actress. I've, I've seen her new girl, and she, and the oh, new yeah, girl, yeah, yeah. and Le, the Lamont Morris, and the new girl, they, they hook up. And they're, they're a really charming yeah. dynamic between them in that TV show, which mm. they have recaptured on this. And that's oh, yeah. anything, anything they do together, I really enjoy them two together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They seem to have like good like on screen chemistry, almost yeah. almost boiling into like real world chemistry. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just the characters in the story. I was just like, literally, all you people are strange, fucking horrible people. You know, I'm not that honest. I don't Thank agree with anything you say. I think it. It's very predictable. You know where it's going to go. It's not particularly clever yeah. what it's doing. Um, no. But I, like I, I said, that, that's why I got... Sorry, man. Because of the two actors in it, the, I, I actually quite like them together, so I actually quite enjoyed it to some... I found it had some charm to it. Um, I giggled. Yeah, I, I probably yeah. should have done at it. I just, I kind of just wish that they had like more time together. I feel like there was large chunks of the movie when they weren't together. Yeah. Uh, until they bumped back into each other, which is fair play, but yeah. Oh. It's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, I, I enjoyed the performance Fine. between everybody. I thought it was quite a silly comedy. Compared to the other one that was on Netflix a few years ago called Ibiza, which was a fucking horrendous movie. 
this is like at least mm. ten times better than that. And that film was fucking horrendous, like really bad. Um, I liked her as a lead. I thought she was a decent lead. I'm intrigued to see what she goes further with the leads. Um, mm-hmm. The rest of the cast, the unfortunately, is they don't get enough to do. You know, there's not enough around them. You know, yeah, yeah. Like they, they go to that retreat thing at one point and they throw in some stuff in that, but it just felt very tacked on. It doesn't really serve any real purpose to it. The film itself is about yeah. 25 minutes too long. The whole final 15 minutes, I'm going like, what the fuck? Where is this thing getting 15 minutes to end? I just felt it just dragged mm. on and on and on and on. Um, so, predictable. Some odd kind of rambles and sort of turns it takes to try and get a gag in it, but pretty much everything you can see coming up pretty much a mile off. So, nothing like predictable. Mm. And some of the kind of really funny stories, I don't really see that enough sort of conclusion to them, like the story about her being the possible pedophile, I thought was actually pretty funny. Like the the, the, the mum yeah. thought she like the mother thought she was like trying to make a move on her son. I actually found that still be yeah. quite funny. But they didn't really do it. They done a couple yeah. of things with it. They done more with that. Yeah, to be honest, that was one of the highlights, especially when the wee boy was all like saying to his mum that he's in love and everything ah, like that, and how <laughs> they're gonna be together and everything. <laughs> like they could have paid that off some way, maybe with like they could paid that they could played that off with like um. Maybe the young boy being some sort of like cheering up at the end, like he, or he being the hero at the end by, by sort of like saving her or doing something. They don't really play out off at any point. He just sort of disappears from mm. the story. It's a bit of a shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, thank, like, thank God for the resort manager. That's all I'm going to say in this whole entire movie. He was the one thing that actually had a bit of common sense in it all. Yeah, I mean, that's like you need one kind of who's who is going to say no and become like sort of that kind of, you know, stop things from happening. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's a silly we watched it on a Sunday night. It is a Sunday night film. It's it's a dumb or kind yeah. of it's a dumb kind of movie for that kind of time of day. Yeah, it's kind of like and it's like a a, a movie a twenty twenty movie for like the Bridget Jones yeah. fans, you know. But and it is yeah. a lockdown uh, film. You know, not in not in lockdown that film disappears. In lockdown, you'll when someone kids when someone kidnaps you and puts on a movie and you don't get a choice in the stick on Desperados, that's what you're trying to tell me. It's a lockdown movie. It's a lockdown movie. Yeah. Um, out of ten, what do you, you give it? Uh, I'm giving it a four. Harsh. You so really go below five. I'm giving it a six. I I giggled at it enough, and I also quite like the two leads. So I I actually give it a little bit. I had more giggles. Than yeah. Probably. Um, next week, next week up, we have some interesting stuff. We have on Sky Movies, um, one no one ever thought would come out because Terry Gilliam has been trying to make this film for about 35 years, and that is The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Um, so that's on Sky Movies, interesting film with Adam Driver and Jonathan Price. And also out in, on Amazon is Countdown, which is, mm-hmm. if you know, it's basically Final Destination for the phone app generation. Download an app on your phone, it tells you you're going to die in 30 days or 30 years. It's that. It's, that's that's for, a clever thing. For visualisation, the visualisation which will not transcend nicely into a podcast, this is for you, Richard, this is what yeah. it's going to look like. Oh, I'm going to die in 30 days. It's, yeah, it's, like, it's not dissimilar nope. to that, but it's got, there is some, they put some yeah. religious stuff into it as well, but that's that one. And also oh, on... Oh, Jesus. On Netflix, oh. you've got the new one, Netflix's film, Project Power, which is a sort of a twist on the superhero genre with yeah. Susan Gordon-Levitt and Jimmy Fox. Three beers and a movie.